Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Of Slamfire Radio for tonight, January 15th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. I'm another one of your hosts, Trevor. And I'm the last one, Adriel. So, what did everybody do in guns this week? So, I'm going to go first. Um, I went to the range on Saturday. We shot the squirrel challenge, and oh, that meant that we don't. What? The new one, right? Yeah, the new one. Usually what is we do it this, this month. It's a bullseye target, and instead of doing the 25 meter, we decided to change things up, and so we went to the 100, 100 yard. Is it, there. is it an option? This You can do it at either distance? What's the story, or did you guys just decide to modify it on your own? No, there's two. There's one at 100, and then there's also one at 25 as well. And oh, interesting. Yeah. Get to pick. Yeah, you get to pick, and you know, Stick said, let's man up this month and see if we can do 100, so I decided to man up. Yep. Or woman up. Well, woman, yeah. Well, uh, so so I did that, and that was uh, that was good. It's the first time I actually was able to zero in my my ten twenty two at uh, hundred hundred yards. Usually we do the twenty five, so it was pretty good. The other thing I did was I submitted my form six uh, to and got it back actually today. So it only took eight days to do, and so I'm pretty much good to go to, uh, for Michigan. We're going to go down and do an apple seed in March, and that. So yeah. That's everything I did. What about you, Trevor? Um, I loaded up some 9 mil. Um, the last of my actual factory full metal jacket, jacket projectiles. Uh, when they're all loaded up, I'm going to start powder coating my 125 grain lead cast projectiles. And um, I'm going to powder coat them. I'm not going to load them. I might just pick a, you know... 10 or 20 and load up some different um, powder charges so that when the weather gets nice and I go to the range with my chronograph, then I can um, develop a load for them because I've not I've not um, loaded any of these powder-coated 9mm projectiles yet, so I have no idea what power char- or powder charge I need or powder weight I need in order to make a 125 power factor for IPSC. Um, but yeah, I'm all out of factory lead or factory projectiles like full metal jacket stuff like camper or whatever so i'm going to spend some some time this winter casting uh what's left of the lead that i have and move into uh move into that i also loaded some more 12 gauge um still fighting with that machine trying to get the proper crimp i get a couple that are nice and then i get one that's not so then i tweak the machine and then it unsets a different setting and it's um Frustrating, to say the least, but uh, they don't look—they don't look horrific or anything. They don't look like they were like. What what machine are you using for my twelve gauge? Yep, it's called the uh, Mech Size Master. So it's a single stage press um, set up just for twelve gauge that will allow me to do two and three quarter all the way to well two and three quarter to three inch. I don't think it'll do three and a half inch, and it won't do steel. It's lead shot only. So I can do lead shot, buckshot, and slug, actually. Is that because it uses sliders or whatever for uh, for measuring out the shot? 
no idea the difference between the Steel Master and the Size Master, but they have a mm. specific machine called the Steel Master, and I, I really don't know what's different about it. Now, that being said, I do have one bottle that says Steel Shot Only. Why I have that with the stuff that I bought, I don't know, but maybe he bought it once upon a time by mistake, just didn't read the label. So, <laughs> what were you going to say, Kelly? I was going to ask if you used any of the 12 gauge yet that you've. I did, you've actually. How's um, it working? Well, it ran great. Some of it looked really, really bad, but I took it all to the range anyway. And, well, I say really bad. Like I said, none of it looked horrific, but some of it looked bad. Like, you would take one look at it and go, like, that's obviously a, a poorly crimped hand load. What's up with that? And I went with my um, semi-automatic Versamax, because that's, to me, that's the one that matters. That's my competition shotgun. And they all it functioned flawlessly. It didn't function flawlessly. Sorry. I had one failure to feed, so the I don't know if it was because it had a bad crimp, but the shell came up on the lifter and hit the side of the chamber and didn't actually chamber into the barrel. So, but the rest that looked really bad, they all they all worked. worked. Yeah, and I loaded them a little bit hotter than I needed to. Definitely. Um, I mean, the the data I'm using is for hunting recipes. Uh, if you compare that to the Winchester Universal stuff that we buy for three gun or trap. It's uh, it's quite a bit snappier. So what else did I do? Uh, I'm almost done pulling all of that 44 Magnum that I loaded with uh, too much powder. I've only got 98 left. I know this because I opened up the last box of 100 and did two before the show. So 98 <laughs> to go, and I will have pulled 750, approximately 44 Magnum <laughs> rounds. Yeah, but I'm telling you, that, that bullet puller that goes inside your press, so easy. No banging on a hammer, no spilling powder all over the place. Put the bullet on the shell plate, lift the ram, crank the handle for the puller, pull the ram down just a little bit, take the pressure off the collet, the bullet drops back on the case, take it off, pull off the bullet, which is just loosely sitting on top of the case, dump the powder in your powder measure on the next press over, and I'm literally set up like an assembly line. I've got one press with the puller on it, and my collet press all set up to reload 44. So I take the, the uh, powder measure that's on the turret press and take the cap off the top so you can pour powder in. And I uh, pull the bullet off, dump the powder in the powder measure, put the brass on the shell plate there, crank the handle, get a fresh powder charge with the correct amount of powder, throw the bullet on, rotate the turret, press the bullet back in, and uh, bada boom, bada bing, I put it with the uh, finished ammo. So Cool. Yeah. Um, and then last Sunday, I shot an archery tournament. This is the second 3D archery tournament that I shot this year. I'm shooting actually higher scores than when I left the sport in 2011. I went to a tournament a couple of weeks ago, and I shot a, out of a possible score of 440, I shot a 410. The winner that day shot a 416. Fast forward to three or four weeks later, 3D archery tournament in Bathurst. I bring my score up from a 410 to a 417. The gentleman who beat me a couple of weeks previously, he shot a 424. So, or sorry, a 425. So that was pretty strong. Yeah. Buddy of mine comes out. I'm like, Robbie, you should come shoot. Oh, I haven't touched my bow in two years. So what? It's a local tournament. It's our club putting on the tournament. It'd be fun. He says, okay. He comes to the range on a Wednesday night, spends 45 minutes sighting in his bow, Leaves. I'm like, Rob, 45 minutes, really? Like, slow down. You're going to burn yourself out. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. He shows up to the tournament, and he shoots a 427. I'm like, where did that come from? I'm like, well, you got this thing. If Adam shot a 425 and Leo shot a 424 and I only shot a 417, 
Robbie, you got this thing. 427. Like, he didn't even stick around for the awards. He's like, I'm out. See you later. Like, All right. And I thought he had it. Martin Bork, a guy from the southern part of New Brunswick, phenomenal shooter, always been a phenomenal shooter, but he's gotten even better than, than he was when I left in 2011. He shot a 434. This is out of a possible... Wow. Yeah, it's out of a possible 440 points. It's the highest score I've ever seen since I've been in archery. You shoot two rounds. So there's 20 animals, 10 stations. Each station has two animals. So you get on the line, you shoot an arrow into the first animal, you shoot an arrow into the second animal. Uh, every There's three other people in your group. They do the same, so every animal gets four arrows. We walk down, we score them, we come back, we go to the next station, shoot the next two animals, and so on. So we do that. That's called a round. You shoot 20 animals in one round. A perfect score is 220. This Martin Bork dude shot a 219. He set a provincial record that day. I was like, okay, wow. so it's good. It's good that the quality of archery has improved since I left. It, it, it's good. It's not good for me, but it's good, it's good for you guys. I'm happy for you. They're so, going to push you though, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, already, Kelly, my second tournament, I'm shooting better than I did when I left. And when I left, I won the provincials that year. So I, I'm, I'm walking back in and all the top dogs that were good then are even better now. So two tournaments in after not shooting since 2011, and I've shot back-to-back scores that were higher than I shot when I left the sport. So you're right; I am being pushed right, right out of the, right off the bat. It's you know, uh, but when a 417 is only good enough for fifth place, you know that things have come a long way. It's really impressive, and I mean I'm shooting well, but these guys are shooting incredibly well. So, uh, oh, and today. I received an eight. Well, I applied for. I'll receive it tomorrow. My fax machine was down, but I applied. I applied for an ATT today to a, a rather unusual place. Uh, I applied for an ATT to go to a local television station. And Why are you were, going to a, a <laughs> television station? Because I'm being interviewed by Rogers Television. They want to interview me and do a piece about guns. And it's going to be so far. It looks like the form. Matt will be either going to come to my home. We're going to look at some different classifications of firearms. Um, I'm going to show them the uh, bolt action 223, the VZ58, and my competition AR15, and say, you know, which one of these is restricted, right? Play that game. Yeah. Um, then they want to actually go to the range and do some shooting. So we'll do that. I'm going to go with the cameraman, who is also the producer and the host of the show and the host's wife. Uh, we'll go to the show or we'll go to the range. Hopefully it's not the weather will be, we'll cooperate. I'll get them to do a little bit of shooting. We'll get some video. And then Tuesday night, I'll actually be in the studio. Uh, they want me to bring guns to the studio and then they want to have a quote unquote debate about gun control or gun laws. This all stems from a training on suicide prevention. I went to a couple of weeks ago in the Miramichi. I traveled with uh, my counterpart in the Bathurst region. I run the learning center here for the local high school. He runs the learning center there for their local high school. And on the way, I kind of had some concerns. We were just talking, bantering back and forth. And I said, I wonder who's going to blame the gun for suicide. And he's like, what are you talking about? He said, that's that's not going to happen. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but it pretty much always happens. Mm-hmm. People are going to bring up statistics during the course. And somebody's going to say, well, you know, if we didn't have guns, we wouldn't have suicide. And I said, I've got all my counter arguments prepared, like the leading cause of car accidents is cars. You know, uh, people with pools tend to have a higher rate of you know, homes with pools. Drowning. Have a higher Drowning. That's right. You know, um, somebody who wants to commit suicide is going to do it anyway, regardless of if there's a gun there or not. And he's like, so anyway, then he started asking me some questions. 
questions and went, and he was really impressed. Like he was learning the whole time. He's like, I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Hey, how would you like to come on my show? How would you like to do what we're doing right now, but on the air? I was like, yeah, great. Sure. I'm in. So Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, uh, I told him I'm going to have to get a, a T-shirt from the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. He said, I want one too and get one for my wife. So, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, big show to Tracy Wilson. She bent over backwards to get some uh, shirts in the mail and uh, they arrived Monday maybe? So uh, we'll all be, it'll be funny. He'll be arguing with me about gun control while arguing. I mean, he's not anti, mm-hmm. but he, he wants things explained. So I'm going to take the whole... Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, our approach is educate the non-gun owners so they understand where we're coming from and have a better understanding of what is actually out there and what we actually go through so that they they understand, no, we don't need more gun laws. Now that we, actually, now that we understand what currently is in place and what these gun owners already have to abide by, yeah, no, it's fine. Leave them alone. That's kind yeah. of what, we, what we're hoping for, so... Is he going to put somebody on there that is uh, going to counter your your argument? It'll be him. He's oh, going to. Okay. Yeah, it's him and I. Yeah. So right. it's not like he's going to uh, kind of um, guide the conversation between two of us, right? He's not going to facilitate it between me and Wendy or anything like that. It's going to be him and I. So, okay. all right. yeah, that's all I did. Cool. What about you, Adriel? Uh, I've got out two uh, skills and drills for a three-gun. Uh, skills and drills is basically we set up a, a whole bunch of stations where you can shoot uh, targets. We had, I think I think if I remember, we had about six stations. Um, and if you only have 15 guys and you got six stations and you're at it for four hours, you can get a whole lot of shooting in. So got a lot of practice with uh, pistol, shotgun, uh, and my rifle. Um, my 870 is still jamming, so I ended up using the Adler. That was that lever action uh, shotgun that, uh, that I've got on loan. And uh, it was fun. I was, I was using slugs and, and hitting stuff out at uh, 100 yards. And we were running uh, whirly gigs, which are these five target spinning tech. Sometimes they're also called a, a Texas star. That's the only thing I've ever heard them called. But As a Texas star? Yeah, when you called it a both. whirly something the other day, I was yeah. Yeah, I totally lost. I'll say them both. Whirly gig and Texas star. Anyways, um, oh, it, 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 ton of fun. Like going to the range and shooting targets is completely stone cold boring compared to knocking over poppers um, and, and shooting steel and, and uh, being able to shoot through VTACs and that kind of thing. So uh, that's just a ton of fun. And, and I can't believe that more people don't do it because uh, it's it's just – so much more enjoyable and and reactive, I guess, than mm-hmm. uh, than target shooting at a range, just standing there shooting paper twenty five yards away, right? Can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you're in uh, you're in Alberta. Yeah. Does your does it have to be shrouded? Shrouded? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't even know what that means, Kelly. <laughs> uh, isn't that oh, ironic? Yeah. I'm surrounded by shrouding. Nova Scotia has to shroud Quebec. Quebec, Quebec's not even allowed to have steel. Never mind shrouding the steel. Ontario has to shroud. I think the the thing that we're fighting with our CFO right now uh, on is um, they're worried about ground strikes on all the ranges. Never mind three gun. They're, like just they're, they're worried about ground strikes, so they want baffling everywhere on the ground. And uh, this being Alberta, like we get a lot of snow. I don't know what kind of baffling you put up that uh, on the ground that survives the the freeze thaw cycles that we have here. So uh, I, I don't I don't see how we're supposed to do that. But uh, yeah, no shrouding. Um, uh, and and yeah, we're we're shooting poppers uh, from say like 15, 15 meters away. Yes, yeah, our minimum distance is ten. 
So in an IPSC match, we actually make the minimum distance 11. So that you can fault a line but not get within that uh, minimum distance. So even if you step over the fault line, you still haven't breached the 10-meter mark, so you won't get disqualified mm-hmm. to get a procedural. But um, we just received uh, our range certification that uh, comes as a result of the inspection that was done in May. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really happy about that. We were inspected in May, and we just got our inspection, our, our actual um, certification now. And our bays were, it says that targets have to be placed um, perpendicular to the berm, so far away from the berm, except for action shooting, which I thought was awesome. Huh, cool. So, yeah, strikes yeah. strikes in the in the uh, range floor are a common occurrence, and, and nothing bad has ever happened. Uh, you look at uh, all the SummerSlam matches that we put on, the Nationals, um, yeah, nothing. Not, nothing. Somebody yeah. lost windshield. Um, which really? I, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I th- no, sorry, not a windshield, a back window. Oh, okay. I, I think that was a strike that came out of a bay. So yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, on our trap range, we can shoot lead shot out into outer space. It doesn't go into a backstop. In our action shooting base, we're only allowed to use slugs. Now, the minimum distance we're allowed to use slug on steel, I think, is... It might even be 40 meters, and we don't have any action shooting bays that are 40 meters. That that would be on steel, so we could do it on paper, I suppose. But anyway, That's I don't understand. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand the the rationale behind the decision. You can shoot lead out on the trap range, and Kelly, you've been on our trap range, so it's yeah, just an open field, right? Yep. But in our action shooting bays, they don't want us to use birdshot. I I don't get it. I don't understand. Hmm. Uh, I think we're going to follow up and ask them. Ricochet. I don't know. It it's wouldn't be birdshot. It's, it's birdshot, yeah. 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 So, anyway. Pep ring, if anything. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, sh- shooting steel is way... Like, when we set up stages, we try to use as much steel as possible. Because if you're not patching paper targets, it is super easy to reset when everything's yeah. steel. Yeah, so we can we can run more shooters through. We can do more shooting ourselves. And, uh, yeah, patching paper is... Uh, uh, Boring. <laughs> I want to shoot steel, and plus, like shooting steel, there's there's no question about what he, it, it's a hit or it's a miss, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun. Um, and and uh, even at fifteen, I'd imagine you know those little ground poppers. Those uh, I think they're they're a smaller size, like a silhouette kind of a thing. And uh, those things at ten meters are ridiculously fast to shit uh, to shoot. So you can just uh, you can just pound those things, and uh, uh, you know you don't really need to aim that much. You just need to kind of point down the the barrel and uh, and pull a trigger. Uh, let's see what else I do. Uh, my eight seventy is still jamming. I'm I, I don't know if I, I might look for like a, a beat up old old eight seventy to uh, move parts over. Or I might get something else. I'm, I'm not quite sure. What's the, what's the malfunction again? Is it failure to eject or failure to feed? <clears throat> failure to feed. Uh, the I don't know the the shell shell lifter just isn't like putting enough pressure on them and centering them, but they're catching on the right hand side of the uh, uh, chamber on the way in. Did you try somebody else's trigger group in your gun yet? Not yet. I mean, that's that's one of the things I could try. Mm-hmm. That will tell yeah. you if the spring in your lifter is bad. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I just got yesterday a Maverick HS12, which is an over under 12 gauge for home defense. 
<laughs> it really is. I mean, you're not going upland with it. You're not you could. Ski- well, you could. It comes with chokes. So it comes. It comes with a. It comes with a modified and an improved cylinder. So they're not both cylinder bore, hmm. and uh, it's it's a really tight little package. It's super light. It's Kelly, like, have you seen this thing? I'm looking up. Rip. Yep. Okay. Googling it right now. <laughs> Six pounds over under synthetic stock. It's got a Picatinny rail on the top. It's got a fiber optic bead up front. Hey, that's sweet. Very it? short. It's yeah. like it's almost like a coach gun, but it's mm-hmm. over under. Yeah, I want something in that size package, Adriel, but side-by-side. Side. I've always mm. been a sucker for a side-by-side coach gun. My cousin had a – and Thomas over at New Shooter Canada helped me figure out the name and where to find them. It was – I forget now what the name or where they, what country they come from. But um, it was a, a side-by-side 20-gauge coach gun, and this thing was just badass. It was just this little mini small two barrels of pain like – is it like a Boito or something like that? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, maybe you were in on that conversation. I don't recall. I don't think so. It's just, yeah, th- yeah they're, they're out there. What are you going to use it for? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it yours or just a review? No, just a review. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's synthetic stock. Um, I'm going to try shooting some clays with it just for the just for giggles, but it's got like an 18-inch barrel. It's, it's a very compact package. It is not the most ideal thing to shoot clays with. Now, uh, one thing that it would be kind of cool with is um, because it's over under, it would, it's pretty sleek and it would be a decent one to throw in a, a, the side of a quad, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're out just bombing around and uh, you just want to take a shotgun in case you see some grouse or something like that, this would be a better choice than, um, I don't know, like a full-size shotgun or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it'd be a better choice. I'd say it'd be a more compact choice. It'd be a better choice for slapping into a quad and ripping around and then pulling it out really quickly because it's there's there's nothing to the forend. As soon as you're past the uh, the part where you put your left hand, there's like uh, eight inches, ten inches maybe. Mm. It's only but, fourteen inch barrel. Uh, no, I think it's eighteen, but mm. it's very short. Yeah, it looks it. <laughs> Anyways, got that. I still I haven't done anything. I, I took it out of the box. That's it. Uh, it's, I get some video when you shoot it the first time. Yeah, I will. At a friend's uh, house, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, not at his house, but, uh, you know, at, no, at not that location. Towards, not towards the general direction of his home, no. <laughs> I thought maybe perhaps in the backyard on the property. Yeah, we'll try that. Uh, and then I had lunch with uh, Jason again. He's a show listener, um, and he, he still didn't buy me a sub. If He's he were Trevor, he would have, you know. Yeah, this is true. He would have bought my lunch. He'd be like, look at this guy. This is like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that the hosts of Slamfire Radio were hobos. Come on. Let me buy you a sub. No, I won't give you money. You'll spend it on vodka. Why don't you invite him out and pay for his meal, and then maybe next time he'll pay for yours. Maybe next time. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I did in events. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about upcoming events. Trevor, do you want to let us know about the Ronnie DeGroote? Sure. The first annual Ronnie DeGroot Rock Out With Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. You like shooting steel, Adriel? Come on down. It's on the 4th of June, 2016 at the Restacush Gun Club. It'll be your, uh, the classic steel challenge stages from like actual steel challenge matches that professional handgun shooters shoot, such as, uh, Smoke and Hope, stuff like that. I forget what they're all called, but you can look them up online, steel challenge stages. And then we're going to have some fun stages as well, like man versus man on plate rack, dueling tree, stuff like that. Just a whole day of fun, fundraising, steel shooting. 
good times, good times. Excellent. Next one we have is the sixth annual charity shoot. Uh, actually, why don't you tell tell us about that, Adriel? And then if you have any questions, you can ask. Canada, you mean? Yeah. This is the uh, sixth annual charity shoot in support of Soldier On. It'll take place June 25th in Kingston, Ontario, at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club. If you're interested, contact News Shooter Canada or check out the event's Facebook page. I have no idea who they are. No. no. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's 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 fixing to be the best one ever. I would say. Well, I'm hoping that it will be. It'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, we got some great things lined up. So, yep, we got some people that you're probably going to be familiar with coming to the event. And we also are trying to get some great prizes and things as well. So, we've been cool. working at it. So, yeah. So, in the news, we have one thing that's happened. It's the AR-15 petition. Um, who put that out, Trevor? I, I, I put – oh, uh, I don't know who put that out. You put it into the show notes, Mark, right? Mark. Barnett, I believe, was the person responsible. Yeah. Um, he's been promoting it a lot on the um, Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights page. Right. But the gentleman responsible for it is Mark Barnett. Now, he, he, he's an MP out of BC, is he not? I think he's conservative as well. <laughs> Anyways, so I know that I've been Bennett, sharing Sorry, Barnett. Mark Barnett. And uh, um, I think he's from Newfoundland, actually. Okay. Wasn't he the one that, uh, that backed the paper version that that got shared around that the uh, NFA was doing could be yeah i think it's uh, the same person uh, right now this this one's the top uh the top petition on like this is a, something new that the government of canada is doing is is these e petitions now on yeah. their on their own website and this is the most the one with the most signatures right now i'm just mm-hmm. going in right now and to see usually they'll give you the details of how many signatures yeah it's uh bob zimmer prince george pc Sorry, he is um, conservative from British Columbia. He's going to be sponsoring it. So, and right now there's fifteen thousand and fifty-seven signatures. So share it around, talk to your friends, talk to your family, share it. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm surprised. Um, Adriel and I were looking at the. I'm looking at the signatures right now per province. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four hundred seventy-nine New Brunswickers. I'm actually surprised. I think that's a lot considering the size of our population and the amount of. Um, black rifle owners there are here. There's yeah. quite a few action shooters, but mostly we're a hunting province. Yeah, uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, 257. Nova Scotia, 438, kind of on par with New Brunswick. Uh, Manitoba's up there at uh, Quebec. Quebec numbers, given the size of their population, uh, 1,415. I mean, Saskatchewan is at 906, right? So, yeah, I'm not surprised about that, though. We're, uh, we're representing yeah. in Alberta. Oh, yeah, 3,621. Yeah. I love it. You're just behind Ontario. And there's 141 other people that have signed from countries other than Canada. So uh, thank you, Sticks and Toby and Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> now, the only problem is you have to be Canadian in order to sign it. Unfortunately, they won't accept anybody from any other country. Hmm. Well, they've got, just the, a- they've got the stat listed there, other countries. So perhaps it's Canadians living abroad. Maybe. Oh, there may be, yeah. Oh, that's right. You have to be Canadian citizen. Hmm. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So. So tonight's main topic, we're going to be discussing uh, shooting competitions. What skills? Uh, sorry. What skills uh, you need uh, to improve, and what gear is required. So, and how popular they are. So, 
Let's top it. Ipsic. I can't speak tonight. <laughs> oh. Well, Ipsic's the, the, the most popular one, right? It's got to be. Mm-hmm. Um, no, pro- probably not. I think if you took all the Ipsic shooters in Canada and put them in a pile, and you took all the uh, shotgun shooters and put them in a pile, I think you'd find that shotgun sports is probably the most popular in Canada. There are some shotgun-only cl- clubs in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, shotguns are non-restricted. Um, it's open to people of all ages because it's not a dynamic sport. It's a standstill kind of sport. It's an Olympic sport. Ipsic is, uh, is dynamic. It's running and gunning. Some people perceive it as a young man's game where, you know, uh, a lot of clubs encourage everyone. I mean, we have a lady in her sixties that shoots Ipsic. Mm-hmm. Um, some people would, uh, given their way, that woman never would have got a black badge. They, they would have said, Oh, she can't shoot fast enough. She doesn't make the time. She doesn't get it. Well, that's fine. She'll take her money and go play with the shotgun guys if we don't let her in, right. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, I bet you, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say that shotgun is is up there. We we may even have more biathlon shooters than than Ipsic shooters. Now, really? I'm biased. I think Ipsic's probably the best and the funnest. <laughs> uh, globally, it's in 84 countries, which no other action shooting sport can claim that number. Uh, I don't know how many countries that the shotgun sports are in, but Ipsic is because Ipsic is kind of sanitized and trying to be politically correct and, and you know, encourages the, uh, the space gun, the blaster, the open gun, uh, colorful shooting jerseys and no head box on the targets. That's how it's ended up in, in 84 countries because it's a politically correct shooting sport. Unlike IDPA, which encourages you to neutralize threats and shoot from cover and and carry concealed, all that sort of thing. So that's why it's more more in countries that are definitely pro gun and pro carry. Well, I haven't shot Ipsic, so I mean, Trevor, I know you and Matthew have. Um, sometimes you refer to it as as gaming, and and some people shoot it as gamers. So tell us a little bit about that and and why you can game in Ipsic, and it's a little bit, I guess, it is still a little bit harder in the IDPA, right? IDPA presents different challenges because of the rules. There are rules in IDPA that are meant to try and keep it realistic. So gaming in IPSC compared to IDPA, an example would be in IPSC, I will drop perfectly good ammunition on the ground while moving from one shooting position to another so that when I arrive in the new shooting position, I've got a loaded gun and I'm not doing a standing reload. If I don't reload on the move and I've got four rounds left in the gun, and the next target array requires six rounds, I'll shoot four rounds, stop, perform a reload while standing still. So the clock is going ticket, 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 ticket. So uh, perform a standing reload and for two more rounds. So instead, I know I need six rounds. I only have four left in the gun. While running to the next array, I'll drop the mag on the ground and leave perfectly good bullets behind. I'll get there with a fresh mag. RDPA will penalize you for that. You have to retain that magazine. You can do that. You can change the mag. There was a while when you couldn't change a mag on the move in IDPA. You had to wait till you were behind cover to change because they didn't want you arriving somewhere without bullets in the gun ready to fight. But you'd never let ammunition hit the ground in IDPA. And just like police would, would police are trained to shoot to slide lock all the time. They're not going to put bullets on the ground. The bullets that they drop in the ground may be the bullets they need to save their life. That's the philosophy behind it. So in IDPA, if you change your magazine while moving to the next shooting array, you had best retain it. So in some of the shooting classes that we've taken, we've learned how to perform a magazine with retention 
So you bring, uh, you go up to the gun, you capture the magazine as you eject it, go to the belt, stow it, go to the mag pouch, remove a fresh mag, return to the gun. That's the most efficient way to do it with the least amount of trips back back and forth to the belt to put ammo on the gun. You don't do the um, mag switch thing like they have on the Magpul Dynamics handgun video? No, there's a better way. <laughs> that, 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 requires, that actually requires one extra trip down to the belt. Mm-hmm. And then you're also handling two mags in your hand at the same time. Yeah, it looks a little bit tricky on the video. It takes, yeah, I mean, you could fumble and drop it and stuff. So mm-hmm. so, so that's an example of gaming. Um, Ipsickers wouldn't consider dropping a magazine on the way from one target array to the next gaming idpa shooters would consider that gaming but to ipsickers that that's a way of life gaming and ipsic is figuring out a way to shoot around a wall when the match director intended you to get down on the ground and shoot through a port <laughs> that's gaming that's manipulating the stage thinking of something that no one else thought of finding a way to eliminate as many shooting positions as possible you've got to be shooting all the time the second the clock goes beep you got to be laying rounds down range um, because if you're not, the clock is ticking and it's points divided by time or time divided by points. I can never remember which it is unless I'm looking at my manual when I'm teaching the class. Um, that's how they figure out the, uh, the hit factor or the score for the stage. Hit so factor. Oh yeah. In IPSC, you've got, uh, different power factors as well, right? You do. Yep. Your, your nine millimeter production division will have a minimum of 125. So that's the speed of the bullet divided by the weight of the or, uh, speed of the bullet multiplied by the weight of the bullet divided by a thousand so the velocity times the weight so let's say it's going uh 1300 feet per second no that's way too hot that would be a nine mil open let's say it's going um a thousand feet per second times 124 divided by a thousand well there's a power factor 125 and that's your minimum if you don't make a minimum power factor in production division you're shooting for fun your scores don't count then you've got open division, which is a power factor of 160. Standard, which is 170. So standard is your 40 and 45 caliber, 357 SIG. That's standard division. Or sorry, those are your major power factors in standard. Um, you can shoot minor and standard if you want. It doesn't make much sense, though. And then revolver is also 170 power factor. The power factor directly relates to the scoring value use on the target there's alpha charlie delta if you're scoring major you're scoring five four two if you're scoring minor it's five three one so that's that's what power factor has to do with it's a lot more complicated than uh, uh i think idpa uses a simplified time plus penalty right best timing ever yeah mm-hmm. um you put them in the middle let's say there are three targets and you put all of your bullets in the what they call the down zero then your score is your time Okay. If it takes you 12 seconds to do it, that's your score, 12 seconds. But if you put one in the Charlie and that's a down one, then all of a sudden now your score is 13 seconds. Yeah. That's the version we use for our three gun as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what type of gear do you need for IPSC? A holster that covers the trigger guard, trigger Mm -hmm. guard, a sturdy belt, and minimum four magazines and uh, pouches for your magazines on your belt. So you need you would need at least three magazine pouches on your belt, and then one magazine will go in the gun, of course. So uh, a long course of fire is 32 rounds. So the minimum you would want to take with you is 40 rounds. Some people run five magazines on their belt plus one on the gun. That's 60 rounds of ammo. 
that they're carrying around for a 32 round stage. Uh, I run four mags on my, my belt and one of the guns. So I'm bringing 50. That's enough. That's more than enough. I can't yeah. see myself ever putting. I think the reason why some guys put five mags on their belt is in case they drop one during a mag change. They, they don't bend down and pick it up. They know they've got an extra on their belt. But it happens so rarely that I just wouldn't want to carry the extra weight around. So mm-hmm. that's basically it. Um, stay, uh, Kelly, you need uh, a, a proper <laughs> – I knew you were going to laugh at that. You need a, a proper holster and mag pouches and then your usual stuff, your eyes and ears. Right. So what about black badge? What do you need to do that? Well, you're going to need, if it includes um, a match, like we when we do ours, we do it with a match, you're mm-hmm. going to need approximately five to 600 rounds of ammunition and the same equipment you would need for uh, to compete in the sport. You're going to need a, a handgun with a minimum of nine millimeter uh, and up uh, caliber. You're going to mm-hmm. need, uh, again, minimum four magazines. And uh, the accoutrement to go with it. You can get yourself a, a, a pretty basic Kydex holster all the way up to a full-on race holster that just barely looks like it's holding the gun in place by the trigger guard. Okay. So whatever you need to shoot the, to shoot the sport, you could use to shoot the black badge. Right. And you also don't bail on the black badge course, right? Well, you know, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if you heard, but I'm glad you did bail because the two Ontario people that came, they did not recognize their course. I wanted to ask that: is it recognized across the country? But you we just were, answered my question. It, well, it it is by other sections, but Ontario doesn't want to recognize um, other sections, you know, hmm. or they'll or they'll recognize certain people in other sections. Will they'll be okay? You know, if they know you and you give a black badge to somebody from Ontario, then I guess it's okay. But if they don't know you or you do a podcast, then I guess it's not okay. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Okay. Strange restrictions. It it is a national program, and it's required to be taught to the same standard from coast to coast. They've recently changed that standard to eight hours worth of uh, class time. Mm -hmm. We used to do it in four to six hours. But now it's a it's a minimum of eight hours. They didn't give you more material, but they want you to spend eight hours doing the doing the book. There's I'm a school teacher. I know when there's eight hours of material. There's, there's not eight. eight hours of material in that manual, but they expect you to now um, spend eight hours covering the course material, which means chances are you're going to divide it into two evenings um, during the week, like a Thursday night and a Friday night. That's if you have a range reserve to do the qualifications all day on Saturday. And so the way we do it, we do, we used to do the, the book material on Friday night and then spend all day on the range Saturday or all day. We spent as long as it took on the range for people to qualify. Different groups qualify at different times depending on skill level and how many times people have to reshoot a drill because you, you have to get it right at least once. It says so in the manual. So mm-hmm. you don't have to force people to shoot the same thing over and over. They only need to get it right once. And then the next day we would include a match. And that was it. Then you'd get your, your, your black badge and you're certified. You wouldn't take your black badge in April and get your pin in October. There's no need for that. Uh, I don't know if it's poor timing or what, but or poor Hey, plan. that's what happens in Ontario. Doesn't <laughs> have to. <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it happens at some clubs in Ontario, and they they could be facing different logistical challenges than 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 other provinces. Yeah. But I'm sure there are other clubs in Ontario where it can happen over a weekend. Right. No one, no one would intentionally drag it out. No one would would make you wait 
till October on purpose. There's no, there's, there's no logic behind that. There's, so there's a reason why there's some, some significant challenges occurring in Ontario that, 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 that is preventing you from getting your, getting it all done in one weekend. I don't know what they are, but obviously it must be there. So, yeah. So is there such a thing as a multi-gun? Ipsic multi-gun? Actually, no, it's Ipsic three gun. There is no, <laughs> multi- there's a difference between multi-gun and three gun. Multi-gun is when you use multiple firearms within the same stage. So you can have a shotgun pistol stage or a shotgun pistol rifle stage or a whatever. You know, any combination of the three, all three, two of the three. Three-gun and Ipsic three-gun is when you incorporate Ipsic shotgun, Ipsic rifle, and Ipsic pistol in the same match. And they call it a grand slam. So you'd have three stages of pistol, three stages of shotgun, three stages of rifle, and then there's some complicated, convoluted way of determining a winner of the entire match. And so instead of letting you shoot all three and and have fun, they they made their own naming around uh, some weird w- version of doing it. It's my understanding, and I may be wrong, but Ipsic three gun was on the scene before multi gun got popular. Hmm. It was just a way to incorporate all three firearms in the same day kind of in the same match but not really it's essentially three different matches all shot in the same day a short medium long for pistol a short medium and long for rifle and a short medium long for shotgun and i was going to do it but then we've been doing what trevor hello hello (laughs) i think we we lost lost trevor You're a member of Three Gun Nation or USPSA and following 100% USPSA rules, most of us are taking a bastardized version of USPSA rules or IPSC rules and just throwing on a match so that we can use all three guns in the same um, stage. Canada is is, is predominantly an IPSC action shooting country. There's some IDPA. but nothing has a hold on Canada like Ipsic does, so that when the Ipsic shooters want to shoot a multi-gun, they can't shoot an Ipsic multi-gun because it doesn't exist, so they've got to use other sports rules. Well, there's there's a three-gun set of rules. Oh, what is it called? Three-Gun Nation um, has a, a set of rules that, that that's kind of out there, but... Um, you know, a lot of what I've seen has just been club specific or, or outlaw rules, as, as they're called, where they're you know just whatever they make up, right? Yeah, well, they're not making it up. They're they're stealing a rule from this book that they like, and they're stealing a rule from this book. Like, for example, mm-hmm. you know what we do? But- we use the rules covered in USPSA for transitioning from one firearm to another. We use the rules in USPSA for staging loaded and unloading firearms on a stage, mm-hmm. and and the so along with those rules would become the the disqualifications. So do this or you get disqualified. We take that from the US USPSA multi-gun rulebook. The rest is IPSC. The commands are IPSC. The penalties are IPSC. The score I actually even use the IPSC scoring program. Huh. The only the only thing we borrow because we want to the first year we did one, there were, you had to unload the firearm before you abandoned it and picked up the next one. You had to totally clear it. And then we, we, we looked more closely at the USPSA rules and went, you know what? If it works for them, it works for us. So we adopted their definition of an abandoned firearm and their definition of a staged firearm, what they consider a retention device for a firearm, that sort of thing. So I remember, didn't you have a three-gun with, with Fred? Mm-hmm. And at one point, he, he was considered abandoning the gun. 
we thought he was disqualified because we thought he uh, abandoned a firearm without a safety on it. But he hadn't stepped away from it, right? Correct. Yeah. He put it. He put it down and transitioned to the next gun. And so we disqualified him because he didn't put on the safety. But then when we looked at the rules, the definition of, of an abandoned firearm was as long as you do not move more than, if you stay within a meter, it's not it's abandoned. It's not abandoned. And he stayed within a meter, so it wasn't abandoned. Matthew and I did this once too. There was another stage where you were down on the ground shooting through a port with your shotgun. Mm-hmm. And there was a barrel next to the port. So people assumed that they had to get up safety the shotgun, put it in the barrel, and go back to the port. Well, Matthew and I, and I think I did it first, and then Matthew copied me, and it really upset some people. We shot with the shotgun, bang, 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 put the safety on, dropped it right there in the port, took the pistol out, and and shot the pistol targets. And people are like, you can't do that. Well, explain to me why I can't do it. Well, we <laughs> didn't do it that way. Well, that doesn't okay. make it wrong. That's right. Just because you didn't do it that way doesn't mean I have to do it your way. You didn't think about doing it our way. So we actually had to bring out the rule book and show them the gun wasn't abandoned. You're not allowed to um, handle two guns at the same time, or you're not allowed to shoot one gun while holding another gun in your hand. And none of that was done. The gun was, the safety was on, the gun was put down, the pistol was used, and, and we carried on. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that covers that covers three of them. Uh, <laughs> which, which one of you wants to talk about? Uh, well, that covers four of them. We can scratch Three Gun yeah. Nation off. Of. Well, uh, what about equipment for Three Gun Nation? Well, you know, you got your pistol. Now you need your shotgun and your and your and your rifle and all the uh, the appropriate magazine carriers and for rifle and um, shotgun shell carriers. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that a lot of new new shooters ask about uh, for three gun is is can I just run a vest? Because uh, there's some inexpensive tactical vests you can get on eBay that'll have uh, holders for pistol mags, rifle mags, and maybe even shot shells. And the the short answer to that is no, those suck. You're they're they're really slow. Um, if you really want to run a vest, and and that's just be, you know you just want to do the tactical thing, you know, fill your boots, but. It's not going to be the fastest rifle mag change. It's not going to be the fastest pistol mag change. And it's going to be as slow as dirt for the shotgun stuff because it's probably just going to be uh, shot shells on a loop or maybe in a pouch or something like that. And the fastest shot shell reloaders are typically plastic and aluminum dealies that you run on a belt. Okay. So what are you using? So if you're not using a vest... Uh, I've got a uh, I've got some eight shell uh, shell holders that run on a belt. Okay. And, yeah, my, and I, my, uh, my club runs these high shot shell count stages. So I've got uh, three of those. So lots of, <laughs> lots of shot shells on my belt. Is there a minimum, um, minimum caliber for your rifle? And also, like, is it 20 gauge, 12 gauge? What is it for? Well, shot, for, again, it depends, depends on what rules you want to follow. Some of the outlaw okay. matches will actually allow pistol caliber carbines. Um, power factor matters, right? You show up with mm-hmm. a pistol caliber carbine in nine mil and you're shooting Ipsic rules. You're probably not going to make power factor with that. Um, and the other so- thing to think about is that if you have anything long range, that pistol uh, caliber carbine isn't going to do the trick because right. uh, at, at a 200 or a 300 yard shot, that nine mil is, uh, is dropping pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no 10, 20 then. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> You know what? There's there's something on here that we didn't include. 
include, and that's IPSC Mini Rifle. IPSC doesn't offer, I mean, there's Action Air, which is IPSC rules with airsoft guns, and I don't mean the Walmart airsoft guns. I mean the airsoft guns that cost as much as real firearms. Yeah. They also have IPSC Mini Rifle, and it's IPSC action shooting with 22 caliber rifles. Cool. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So a lot of guys are running either 22 conversion kits or dedicated 22 uppers or tricked out 1022s that you can do a fast mag change on, that, that kind of thing. Or yeah, even the MMP uh, 22, yeah. 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 That'd be easy. Yeah. So. So who wants to talk about cowboy shooting? Not me. I've seen people do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, um, you know, this a lot of. where Ipsickers go when they can't run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of seems that way when you look, when you look cool. at who competes in it. Yeah. You, it typically, uh, I mean, anyone can do it, but typically Kelly, in my I club. Need you, sorry, people. Adriel. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt, Adriel. Kelly, I need you to do me a favor right now, if you sure. don't mind. Look yeah. up the definition of the word cool, would you? <laughs> Carry on, Adriel. <laughs> I think I think a lot of I think why this is still around. A lot of people like collecting uh, reproduction single action revolvers, uh, the older style shotguns, that kind of thing, and then uh, can't use them practically. Right? They're the reproductions. They can't collect them. Uh, so a lot of people want to use these things, and what they end up doing is doing these cowboy shoots where you're limited to single action, maybe black powder or black powder equivalent. Uh, so a lot of people will get out their uh, their single action revolvers, and uh, they often dress up for the part and uh, oh. go out, and that's their shooting sport. I would I all joke all joking aside, I see the appeal to it. I hope to do it someday. Uh, who wouldn't love to play cowboy? I mean, any uh, Wyatt Earp. I mean, he, why, who doesn't love Wyatt Earp? I mean, who wouldn't want to be Wyatt Earp? Uh, how many co- cowboy action matches? I'm sure have had a stage called the OK Corral. Uh, you know, um, the period costume, I could see myself dressed all in black with a pair of boots on and a cigar hanging out of my mouth and not a Stetson, but, you know, I would I would kind of, yeah, I would want to look like a sheriff, not somebody rattling cattle, you know. I would, uh, but I, I like the guns. Um, some of them are, are accurate. I shot a Uberti Colt clone recently and I was very impressed with it. And they tune these guns they don't kid yourself. They tune up these pistols just like an Ipsic shooter tunes his standard gun. They do trigger jobs on them the whole nine yards. They custom tailor their loads. They're gamers in cowboy action. They, and the, yeah, the, well, the gamers run their loads really, really light. They're, those bullets are just barely coming out the barrel. They just need to ring the steel, right? Yep. That's yeah, all they, they got to do. Yep. The steel, which is always, always at 10 meters. It's never a centimeter closer than that. They're very strict about where they put their steel. Um, yeah, no, and I mean, if you, you see cowboy action shooting matches in the United States, it's like a weekend-long or a three-day-long event. The Nationals It's a big is, party. It's a big party, and everybody's dressed in period costume, and, and, and people of all ages are shooting. Hugely popular in the States, and I can see why. It's a, it's a nice, fun, friendly atmosphere, shooting replica, and in some case, original firearms. And I would be that guy, right? I looked really closely at a pair of Ruger New Vaqueros back when I had my Colt Python and was mm-hmm. considering selling it. I almost traded it for a pair of Ruger New Vaqueros with matching, or not matching, but uh, sequential serial numbers. Mm-hmm. And it, I've got a wish list, and a pair of Ruger New Vaqueros is still on it. And so, it, well, all three cowboy guns are still on it. Still want a coach gun with hammers. And uh, I want a... Uh, lever action in the same caliber as my pistols 
and I would probably, because I'm cheap, I'd probably go with 357s and shoot 38s out of it. Apparently, real cowboys shoot 45, but... 44-40, some <laughs> other weird thing. Yeah. No, I guess 45 is a real popular one. Hmm. Yeah, but you don't call it long colt. It doesn't say long colt on the case. It's 45 colt. And people who call it long colt are obviously people who don't shoot it, apparently, is what I was told once. Hmm. So there's Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, they have some pretty, they have some rules as well. You have to be dressed if you're going to be in the competition. They, they're pretty good with sharing, sharing uh, their guns, though, because it's kind of expensive to get into it. Because you have to have, you have to have a shotgun, you have to have a coach rifle, and you have to have, uh, you have to have two pistols as well, or revolvers. Mm-hmm. So it's expensive. We were looking it into is. it. And if you want a pump shotgun from that era, good luck. Yeah. Pricey. Yeah. Oh, all the guns are pricey. I mean, yeah. Well, the pistols aren't bad. Like uh, the the guys that shoot at my club, a lot they're running a lot of Italian reproduction stuff, and uh, I think like a Pieta or Uberti. Um, Uberti is that how you say it? Uberti. 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 Oh my God! There's there's three different uh, pronunciations. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> they the, those those pistols are right around the five hundred dollar mark, six hundred dollar mark. When you start comparing that to like an open class pistol, boy, it's it's uh, it's downright uh, inexpensive. If you can get some of these top of line Ubertis for five or six hundred dollars, no, I'm not. saying Pieta. The, oh, okay. the Pieta yeah. stuff is way cheaper. Yeah, Ubertis yeah. are a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, they're eight nine hundred thousand dollars depending on on which ones you yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we pretty much don't know anything else about cowboy shooting, do we? No. Do we know anything else? It's very smoky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because and that's because they're they're shooting uh, plain lead bullets. Yeah. And I wonder if powder. they'd be allowed to powder coat them because hmm. they're not supposed to use a jacket. Um, but I don't know. you could probably paper just, patch them. Yeah, we just it's, need some kind of lube. It's pretty soft lead though that they're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Okay. F class. Never done it. <laughs> Never Seriously. done it either. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd be allowed to use my quote unquote target rifle. I don't know. We had a class shooter on here once talk about it, and he's a stock builder. Uh, Fusilier. I believe Fusilier is from Nova Scotia. Yeah, Fusilier is his uh is his CGN handle. Geez, now I'm starting to second guess myself whether it was Fusilier. Or a Sharp 97 that we had on that builds the the stocks for F-Class. Anyway, it's long distance precision. Minimum distance yeah. for an F-Class match is going to be 600 meters. I think there's a maximum weight to, to your rifle. Uh, it's 12 or 15 pounds. So there is a weight limit there. That's it. That's all I know. That's all you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, going to be, it's going to be center fire. Um, it was predominantly ruled by the 308, but now I think they're going for the 260 Remington. Tends to be the most popular cartridge. I could even be wrong on that, but they're getting into some more, I won't say exotic, but the 6.5s and the 260 Remingtons and um, yeah, smaller bullets, smaller, faster, better BCs on them. Yeah, better ballistic coefficient. Yeah. So they cut through the wind better and less drag and less drift and stuff. Yeah. So I and couldn't I'm, even tell you what size target they shoot on, what it looks like, but it's, it's, it's long distance precision bullseye yeah. shooting is what it is. Yeah. I believe I mean, it's the figure 11 that they actually shoot on. Sorry, Adriel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. F-Class? No, I, I think it's more is of a it? bullseye. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I'll Google it real quick. I know in the precision portion of service rifle, it would still be a figure 11. Uh-huh. But uh, Maybe no. it is. 
Yeah. Not 100% sure. I mean, a, a similar one to, I, I guess the closest one you could put it to is F class is a precision rifle. And that's, that's uh-huh. run a, a couple of different ways, but uh, some of the competitions, it's very much, uh, field conditions where you're uh, prone or kneeling or standing or on a, a simulated roof or something like that, and they put you at shooting targets at various ranges, and that's one of the that's one of the cooler shoots out there. If you want to shoot something long range and uh, uh, be a little bit more applied, I guess, because uh, those guys end up using bipods, they use bags. It's not uh, it's not a, a, a nice sanitary shooting competition. It's a little bit more uh, rough and rugged and out in the field kind of a thing. All right. Mm, F-Class does use a bullseye style target. Okay. Yeah. So. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Apple seed, maple seed. Any of you guys done them? Well, did the, did the, well, could we call what we did a maple seed, Kelly? Mini. Mi- well, yeah, mini maple seed. Let's call it a maple seed because it happened in Canada. Canada, sure. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, that's right. You did one. Yeah, that's the only experience I've had with it. Um, I, there were times where I was really frustrated because I wasn't catching on as fast as I would have liked to. The instructors were great and patient, and they know how neurotic I am, so they <laughs> they, they they got me through it, and I was very happy when it was done because I shot. A you lot. actually got a rifleman score. Yeah. By the skin of my teeth, but uh, it wow. it it turned. Out, I shot better than I thought I was shooting at the time, and some of the mistakes I made that cost me points weren't accuracy. They were mental mistakes, losing track of of how many bullets I put. You know, put so many bullets on this target face, then go to the next target okay. face. Oh, yeah, should have had an extra one here, and you don't, and it's over here, so it doesn't count here, and you lost it here. So I actually could have did a lot better. It wasn't my accuracy; it was too. Well, I can't count past potatoes, so it really. <laughs> so, but what do you? You've you've got a lot more experience with this than than either of us do. So, why don't you explain what an apple seed style slash maple seed, maple seed is? is. Maple, yeah. What's a maple seed? Maple. Uh, so, I actually did both an apple seed and a maple seed, and I also did the mini maple seed at the charity shoot down in Brunswick. So, I guess yeah, I guess I have the most experience. Uh, you can so originally. An apple seed is it's an it's an American uh, thing, and uh, it's a it's what they're trying to do is actually talk about or not what they're trying to do. What they're doing is talking about um, uh, the Revolutionary War uh, and uh, what happened during that, and they're also talking. So they're spreading the information about uh, what happened during that time, and also they're also promoting um, guns and uh, the use of it in the American way, I guess, Um, and also uh, accuracy, uh, marksmanship. So you... It's a centerfired rifle, so you can either bring a centerfired rifle or you can bring like a 1022. Uh, you start out at, um, well, you actually do 25 uh, yards, or you can, they can do it longer. Uh, what else? Um, it, it, they use an AQT, so the Army Qualifying Test. They use that to, to, to test you on. Uh, your goal is to get uh, 210 out of 250 points that are available on the AQT. It's a timed score. It's a timed, um, they do it in stages. You have a standing stage, you have a seated stage, you have a prone stage that's timed, and then you have a a prone stage that's a little bit longer as well. And uh, yeah, Trevor's right. You have to to, um, 
you change mags, you have to count how many uh, bullets you've put into one target and then transition to another target. You have to, it's so yeah, there's lots you're doing. Um, it, the first one that was held for a maple seed besides the one that was at the charity event down in New Brunswick uh, was one that was in Bancroft, Ontario that we went to as well. So we're trying to get, we're trying to get it back, or not back, but we're trying to get it into Canada. And um, so they held one to see how it went. Uh, there's even a maple seed um, patch, rifleman patch, that has the Canadian flag on it. And it's pretty cool. There's only three people who have those. Um, yeah. So my goal is to actually get a rifleman patch. And if I do, it'd be, I'd be the first Canadian woman to have one. So awesome. I'm going to... I'm going again in March to go down to Michigan to do it. I haven't been able to. Speaking of bailing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Yeah, yeah. you enjoy that. Yeah. So um, my first apple seed, I, this is the first time I actually started shooting rifle or even shooting. I got a 136, which was horrible, but when you're talking about the fact that it's my first time, that's not bad. And then when I went and did the maple seed, 208 was my highest score when I needed a 210. So I'm hoping for a 210 when I get down to Michigan. You'll get it. You, you, you're due. It's your time. It's your turn. I'm hoping. Um, so that would be a, a pretty cheap competition to get into then if you're just if you're just shooting a 1022 and, uh, and you're just shooting 22 ammo, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it is pretty cheap if you, yeah, so you can, all you need is a 1022. We had one guy that was using an AK-47 shooting it. That was a little expensive. The second day he only used, uh, I, he didn't use the AK-47. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so um, yeah, it's pretty cheap. Um, you don't need much. I think you, it's a two-day It's a two day course. Um, and the first day you hardly shoot any AQTs. It's 60 rounds per target, and you. the first day, they start te- teaching you the marksmanship and the skills, how to use a, how to use a, um, a sling, how to um, use an NPO, get your NPOA, uh, what a minute of angle is, tell, and how tell to Tell us actually, what that is. Tell the us NPOA, yeah. natural point of aim. So basically, when you're looking at your target, and you've settled into whatever position you're in, um you're focusing on the target and you want to actually get yourself to the point where you're naturally going to be center of target. So either you're going to elevate or lower, um, lower your rifle or shift sideways or, or whatever. So when you close your eyes and you're breathing, you've got your breathing going and everything like that. And when you open your eyes, you're on, you're on center of target. So that's NPOA. So they teach you how to do that. They teach you your breathing. They teach you your reset and also to call your shot as well. So it's all about, it's all about putting that all together. They do that the first day mainly. And then the second day you actually go through the qualifying and that. So it's neat because um, it goes back to, it teaches a lot of the same things that uh, army marksmen classes taught in world war ii and i've been researching youtube videos on um the garan and and the m14 and some of these videos show how to shoot the rifle and they show the same techniques as apple yeah. seed hmm. how to go prone how to how to sit uh how to use your sling with the hasty and the hasty hasty and the one where yeah. you lock it around your arm is it's like hey 
I recognize that. <laughs> Stacy showed me that. Stick showed yeah. me that. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty neat yeah. stuff. They're better at shooting rifles back then than pistols because the the old pistol stuff is where they do the, uh, you know, you take your left hand and you kind of put it underneath the magazine and you kind of like, I don't know, like a shelf kind of a thing. You say that. We call it teacupping. You say that, Adriel, but I watched a video just last night Mm -hmm. that was once upon a time considered uh, uh, classified and it was a video on how to shoot pistol and and then it's World War II training film. They're shooting the 1911. Mm Mm-hmm. And they show some strong hand shooting, but they encourage using both hands and they're gripping. They don't get into the details of gripping the pistol, you know, correctly necessarily. They show it, but they don't explain it. But these men in the training film are using essentially the exact same techniques today or then that we use today. Hmm. Um, They talk about the importance of a a quote unquote double tap, um, natural point of aim. Lining the pistol up with the um, with through the bones of the wrist and into the forearm and and why that's important I couldn't believe it hmm. I couldn't believe it it wasn't just you know and uh, they they encourage some instinctive point shooting but not not always you know how to go kneeling at twenty five yards how to shoot prone at fifty yards uh-huh. prone for fifty kneeling for twenty five and it was it was quite an interesting video uh, I forget the name of the channel but. If you re- just do a Google on some of these old guns like the M14 or the M Grand, you'll stumble onto that channel. And it's a bunch of old military training films. They're really neat to watch if you're kind of a nerd like I am. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things about Appleseed is you mentioned it, Trevor. They teach you fundamentals like breathing and and POA. And you can actually transition it to your, your pistol if you're using a pistol. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so, POA is in everything. Even archery, yeah. we talk about natural point of aim. So, yeah, it's good skills to learn. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sorry you're going to miss the uh, the one in uh, March. I am, and I'm not. I'm going <laughs> to miss. I'm going to miss my friends, but I'm yeah. not miss uh, being out in the cold in positions I don't want to be in shooting at 22. So, yeah. yeah. There's also going to be other cool things on hand. I would get to shoot Glocks that I would never get to own. Hmm. Uh, I know that you guys have such a good time and you go down there and it sucks. I want to go for my friends, not for the apple seed. The apple seed would just be the icing on the cake, but yeah. Charity shoots coming. Yep. But we're going to be able to shoot some really cool things that you can't yeah, shoot right, in stop. Canada. Stop. <laughs> Charity shoots coming. Carry on. I know. <laughs> so, all right. Next on our list, unless we got anything else about apple seed or maple seed. Nope. nope. I don't think so. All right. Service rifle. Service rifle. Yeah, uh, so I've I've shot service rifle, um, and and service rifle is primarily it's a military thing, and uh, this is uh, this is definitely Brian from uh, Modern Rifleman Radios thing. Uh, this is this is where you typically you're typically shooting at longer range, uh, standing, kneeling, prone. Uh, some of them do a rundown. My range doesn't have like a, a butts system, so we just we just have a, a backer kind of a thing. Uh, but in some of the fancier ranges, they've got kind of like a ditch where people or a trench where people are, are in and they can hold targets up, bring them down, uh, move them around and, and do all this kind of, uh, uh, really cool stuff that, uh, you know, I, I can't do at my range. But the whole, the whole idea here is that this is a, uh, a military shooting competition that has kind of found its way into the civilian side of things. And, uh, 
for equipment, you'd be primarily looking at a, an AR. Some people choose to shoot it with a, an M14, but the, the AR is, is definitely the one to go with these days, just in terms of uh, accuracy, cost of ammunition, uh, drop on, on your uh, round and all that kind of thing. Uh, they do have a weight limit on triggers. I think it's 4.5 pounds, 5 pounds, somewhere around there. Uh, and generally, you're going to be going after uh, uh, an AR with a, a fixed buttstock and uh, something set up to do target. Uh, in terms of CQB, CQB is shot with, a, uh, I believe it's, it's rifle and pistol. I did a CQB clinic, Correct. and it was both uh, rifle and pistol. Um, typically, oh, what were we? We were like 50 yards, but I'm not quite sure if that was just because of the range we were on or, or if it's like the, these things all have like really set in stone, um, match guidelines and attributes okay. that go to, to each one of the stages. And, uh, for us, this is this, the CQB I thought was kind of cool because you had to do, um, uh, rifle, pistol, and with the rifle, you had to do things like modified prone, where you'd be like laying on your side, shooting from a uh, for for if you're just getting into it, a, an uncomfortable position. But there's actually some tricks to make it really sturdy and uh, and and make it so that you can shoot extremely low to the ground since you're on your right hand shoulder. Um, Trevor, have you have you shot a service rifle or, or service CQB? I have not. It's um, done, I think, at only one range in New Brunswick, and that is on the military range at CFB Base Gagetown, just mm-hmm. outside of uh, Oromocto. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in it. I think uh, if I was going to try something new, it would be F-Class, actually, because that, mm-hmm. kind of, that kind of appeals to my precision part of my personality, you know, like with target archery, where you have to be, you know, really precise for 60 shots in a row. F-Class is all about accuracy precision. yeah and precision so but i mean yeah i think service rifle is is about precision as well it but sure it's about is, from yeah. different positions that kind of thing i believe yeah like like to be competitive you have to be hitting the the smallest circle i guess uh, uh pretty much all the time um but uh yeah it's it's kind of an interesting match now the, one of the cool things about it is that they can run depending on how many bays they have they can run a pile of shooters um for every different stage uh, at my range, we can run like ten shooters, but at, like at a large military range, you could be running uh, way like way more, like uh, thirty, forty, fifty kind of thing, right? Just because there's so many, you're all shooting in a line, right? It's all designed to be shot with people to your left and right. So um, there's a there's a lot more volume that you can get through in uh, in a day with those. Um, they also have service pistol. I I haven't done the service pistol. Um, precision, I'm not sure. Uh, did you write that in, in Trevor? I, I did. Uh, I know um, there is a precision component to service rifle. I think Brian's done it before. You work with a spotter in the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, it falls under the umbrella of service rifle. Yeah, um, we haven't done that at my range, but instead they've done uh, what I understand to be somewhat similar is large bore NRA, um, which I think is similar but again this this i don't know anything about this i'm just including it so that there's uh if if people are interested in this kind of shooting we're mentioning it right mm-hmm. yeah all right have what you done about? any um have you done any uh, metallic uh silhouette uh shooting trevor that's where you shoot like the uh turkeys chickens uh no turkeys no no, no, no yep. turkeys turkeys, turkeys? Are in there. Yeah, okay it's, it's, it's rams it's, pigs rams at 100 yeah i've the only I've shot what we call small bore silhouette. I've shot it um, 
the only actual official match I ever shot was out at the charity shoot a couple of years ago in Ontario. We do a gallery style version of it here, but at, um, for small boar silhouette, you've got your rams at 100 meters, your turkeys at 77 meters, your pigs at 65 and the chickens at 40. And it's all shot, uh, offhand, which means standing unsupported. You're just using your body to, support the rifle and aim and um it's 10 10 animals at every distance on on a rack and um yeah you just simply if you hit down knock down 10 your score is 10 it's a lot of it is actually a lot of fun i really enjoyed it i could see myself getting into this as much as f class especially with the rimfire because it uh-huh. is um so affordable even if you buy the most tricked out rimfire silhouette rifle like a nice cz or something you're still not dropping the coin on rifle or optics you are in f class so um you can shoot some pretty expensive ammunition you can shoot ely if you want um you know maybe maybe the same stuff that the biathlon shooters use a lot of fun la full bore silhouette i don't know the distances but they're shooting the same animals, but they're just much larger and much heavier. And they're shooting with um, full bore calibers like 308 or 260. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those ones that you could potentially do at home because you can buy the silhouettes from uh, a target manufacturer and set up, set up uh, in a small backyard range kind of thing if you've got an acreage or a, or a farm or something. It was yeah. lots of fun when we were doing it down in New Brunswick. Something I yeah. want to do again, and, and that was just gallery style. We would just yeah, set up that was fun. Five rams, yeah, five rams. Knock them down. Go put up your turkeys. Go put up your pigs. Go put up your your chickens, and then have a uh, a shoot off. I seem yeah. to remember. Did I win that? Mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, there you go. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of fun. Um, was- we we've done it at ten with pistols. Really? With, yeah, twenty two pistols at, at our club as well. Um, yeah, one year I, I won the pistol, lost the rifle, and the next year it was different. I won the other one and lost the other one. Hmm. We used to do it in conjunction with um, the local uh, town festival. There's another type of silhouette um, that's not metallic. It's paper. What the silhouette shooters do when the winter comes in Canada and they want to keep <laughs> using their silhouette rifle uh, they go indoors, and all your silhouette targets are printed on a sheet of paper. I think it's about the size of a legal piece of printer paper, and the targets are scaled down for basically what they would look like um, at at the proper distance. So you're you're shooting one distance. It's either 20 or 25 meters. I'm not sure what uh, which. I think it's 20 meters indoors, and you're shooting at the five ram or the the rams and the all the same uh, targets, but they're printed on paper. And they're scaled down, so. But you don't get the ting and see it fall over. No, that's it. No. And, then, and then you get fringe hits. So the ram, for example, you can squeeze a bullet between the ram's horn and the back of his head, um, and and touch the edge and, and get that hit. Where in reality, if the bullet had passed through there, it probably would knock over the ram. But yeah. you get the the little um, uh, wire uh, grease mark from the bullet going through, touching the uh the paper but anyway it's like i said it's just an excuse to get out and keep your skills up over the winter time because when um you're standing with your rifle whether you're standing with your rifle aiming at something 20 meters away or 100 meters away 
you're still out there standing up, working on your on your fundamentals and your your um, your form and your posture and your breathing, um, and just getting some trigger time. Yep. All right. What about steel challenge? Well, uh, I've seen this in the states. I haven't seen it around here. This is where you set up stages where it's all steel, so there's there's no setup or anything like that. Your your setup is setting up the stage once, and then everyone goes and shoots and and. You have to hit the steel, and it's just – it's purely a time thing, right? Yeah, it's just like what we're doing for the Rocco with your Glock out running the group steel challenge. You have steel plates that are on posts. They're fixed positions in the bay in a different – like each one is set up differently, and you have a, a stop plate. So on the timer, you pull out your gun, you shoot the plates as fast as you can, and then shoot the stop plate. There's one that's shaped like a um, – like a V, and the stop plate is the, the the point of the V. So you have two plates off in the back, uh, spread, let's say, 15 meters apart. Then two more plates in closer towards you, spread 10 meters apart. And then a stop plate, maybe 10 meters from you, so that the four plate or the five plates make the shape of a V. And you've got to figure out the fastest pattern to shoot them, stopping on the uh, stop plate. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I That's think this is, this is a cool one because it's uh, it's really fast and it's uh, like really basic stage design. So you can just run it and run it and run it and run it until yep. you basically optimize yourself for that kind of a stage. But uh, th- those those skills can be transferred because it's a lot of uh, uh, holster and unholster, how much time to get to your first shot and uh, transitioning between targets really quickly. And it's it's raw time, right? There's no scoring zones. You paint the targets in between the shooters, and um, you. What we do is we shoot it. I think it's five times each, and five or four times, whatever it is, you drop your worst time, and then you add up all your times, and it's lo- like golf. Lowest score wins. Cool. Yeah. Melissa Lee is. Yeah, Melissa Lee is just getting into that. That's going to be her first type of uh, competition shooting that she's going to do. Her and Toby went out and they tried it, and and she absolutely loved it. Bought a Glock, and now she's going to get into shooting steel challenge. It is a lot of fun because it's it's about proper trigger press, getting a flash sight picture, just a hint of front sight, press the trigger, hit the plate, and move on. Um, try and get to the next plate before the bullet hits the one you were just shooting at, kind of thing. That's you're really pushing the envelope to go as fast as you can, but you don't have to run. You don't have to. Um, figure out six different ways to shoot a stage. You watch the top shooters shoot the steel, the pattern that they shoot it in, that's the pattern you're going to shoot it in. You're not going to reinvent the wheel. You're not going to come up and after um, Casey Eusebio just shot it or Max Michelle and go, uh, I can do it uh, differently than Max and be faster. No, you can't. These guys are <laughs> these guys have been world champion over and over and over. If he starts on the left, guess what, Sunshine? You start on the left too. So it's not really available in Canada, or it sure is. Yeah, no, no, there's not a professional full-time steel challenge association like Ipsic Canada, but a lot of the clubs that shoot Ipsic will have the targets required to shoot steel challenge, and they'll break them out once or twice a year. Like we used to have an annual steel challenge match, Um, but when I came on as match director, I was more interested in three gun. There's only so much time in the year. You get tired, you get burnt out, and the guys always say, oh, can we have a steel match? Well, you know what? I put on every match this year. Some of you helped. Some of you didn't. I I finished the year with the three-gun. If you want a steel match, Johnny, you do it. 
Mm-hmm. It's really simple. Go print the the stages off the internet. There's the trailer with the steel in it. Set it up. It hasn't has, hasn't happened. So, but now problem solved. Now our steel challenge is a memorial shoot to honor one of our members who died, and it's a fundraiser. So I can see me if I have to pick, I'll pick the steel challenge over the three gun. Sorry, but that's just yeah. the way it is. Or somebody, if they want me to keep putting on three gun matches, somebody else can take over the steel challenge. But Steel Challenge is going to become uh, a tradition, I hope, at our club. So, yeah, yeah. Start the season with a black badge, and then a Steel Challenge, and then end the season with a three gun. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, just to to rip through some of these other ones, just to to keep things a little bit short. I mean, there's there's yeah. ISSF uh, Olympic NRA handgun. These are all like precision handgun, you know. Um, slow, accurate, uh, lots of specialized equipment. Bullseye. I have. I have, I, yeah, I, I didn't put bullseye in here, but yeah, bullseye as well. Um, I know this happens. I have no visibility into it because nothing like this happens at my range. I imagine this is, um, some tight knit groups of people. Cause I, I never see this kind of stuff around where I'm, where I'm at. No, I've seen one of these guns once. Um, I've seen the, um, air pistol that the Canada games shoot, which I think is a step in this direction. Mm-hmm. But, um, we had a, um, a firearms instructor and a range officer instructor who was an Olympic coach for this type of shooting and shot this kind of shooting. And you're not allowed to clear your own stoppage. If you have a stoppage, you raise your hand and a safety officer comes over and clears your gun for you. Uh, in his first match, he got a stoppage in his gun during, during the, uh, during his first match and he stopped and raised his hand. Hmm. <laughs> and the range officer was just, what do you want me to do? Well, I have a stoppage. Right. Yep. You sure do. <laughs> 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 Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Work it out. All right. What about biathlon? It exists. You shoot 22s <laughs> at plates. You shoot some, uh, what is it? They're uh, clay pigeon sized plates at, uh, is it 50 meters or 100? Are they that big? I thought they were half the size of that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I think they're, they're round. I, I, I think it's a standard <laughs> distance. But basically, if you can't ski, you better be able to shoot. If you can't shoot, you be able, you better be able to ski because there's a little circular track off from the, from the shooting range. And if you miss, you got to go do laps before you can get back on the main course. And so when everybody else is moving on to the next shooting array, you're back there shooting laps because you had some misses. <laughs> so, um, Shooting shooting is really important in this. You're penalized for poor shooting. Yep. We Better had be the, in shape. Yeah. Oh, you will be too. <laughs> Get the breathing yeah. down. Yeah. My All doctor's right. wife does it. She's like 50 and she's ripped. She's a hardcore athlete. She's 50 and she's like keeping up or passing the uh, the kids and the 20-year-olds. She does Ipsic too, doesn't she? Yeah, same lady. Yep. Yeah. yeah. She started by Athlon and then she made her way to Ipsic. And unfortunately, we don't see her in Ipsic as much as I would like. But yeah, that's the one. Hmm. Yeah. What about shotgun? Let's talk about that and then let's finish this up. Sporting clays? Yeah. They uh, they shoot clays and uh, skeets and uh, shoot them with their, their shot gats. Sporting clays is cool because <laughs> you're in the woods. You're actually walking a trail in the woods, shooting at different targets, flying in different directions. And they're all, aren't they also like um, on the ground, in the air? And Some of them come right at you. you got to butt stroke them with your shotgun and uh, <laughs> use a knife on some of them. No? <laughs> okay, Owen. Uh, 
Yeah, the one that goes across the round, uh, across the ground. They call the uh, the bunnies or the rabbits. Yeah, that's and, it. And um, but yeah, it's, sporting clays is, is a variety of different challenges, different directions, stuff like that. And then trap, trap's the simplest one. You're on a, a trap range at five different stations. You shoot five clays from each station. Yell pull, bird goes in the air. You shoot it. Next guy yells pull, bird goes in the air. He shoots it. You uh, you shoot five from every station. Move to the next station. Twenty five rounds of ox ammo. That's your first round trap. That That's was it. fun last year. It I is fun. It. I enjoy it. I didn't get out this year at all. We uh, maybe once or twice. We got a new trap coordinator for next year. I might get out. I don't know. Probably not though. And then skeet um, is multiple birds with uh, a high house and a low house. And I think in skeet, they sometimes come at you as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can have one going, uh, both coming towards you and they cross. You gotta, Yeah, skeet, skeet's a little more, more challenging. I haven't shot the other ones, but I, I think it's safe to say that trap is the, the easiest one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So who wants to do listener feedback? Shall we start uh, with take, Mike? I'll- yeah, I'll take the first one from Mike. Sure. Uh, do you guys have the link to the bullet pulling die that Trevor was talking about that doesn't wreck the bullets, but also doesn't require collets? No, Mike, I don't. It's in my. It's buried in my Facebook messages somewhere. Send me a Facebook PM, and then I'll look for it in my other PMs and see if I can dig it up. Um, yeah, it's a neat tool because it's like a pair of pliers. You can pull multiple bullets with the same tool, and it doesn't require a die body, doesn't require a collet, doesn't require any more setup than picking up a pair of pliers. Magic. Yeah. So follow up with me, Mike, on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, if not, send the show another email reminding me to look for it. I didn't see this until now. Sorry, Mike, but I will help track that down for you. Okay. I'll All take right. Brian's here. Cool. Um, hey, all. I contacted the Ontario CFO via email about the new conditions. They responded that the conditions were automatically added to my PAL. For now, I just keep a hard copy of that email with my registration paperwork in my range bag. I have no clue as to when or if I'll receive the new conditions paperwork. I can only surmise the CFO is in no rush to issue paperwork saying that I can transport to and from a gunsmith, border crossing, or range, whether or not I'm a member, if they can avoid it. I'm just guessing here with a jaded sense of CFO intentions. That's Brian Bolivar from Modern <laughs> Rifleman Radio. Yeah. I don't know. If you register new restricted, are they going to send him one or? No, it only, no. It only it's not about registering a new restricted and be, yeah, when you, the, what, initially we were told, Kelly, when you renew your license, mm-hmm. your new license will say, see the attached condition, something to right. that effect. Yeah. Um, now we're hearing different things every time you ask. Mm. Keep your paperwork until they stop sending it to you. Yeah, no one yeah. knows what they're doing over there. You know, I know I have, um, it's on mine, so that I was yeah, one of the first ones to get issued at. So. Right. So you, I yeah. don't know. We Nobody knows. Get, <laughs> yeah, well, you, you call three different CFO's offices. It seems like you get three different answers. So, And, and the cops aren't up to speed on these changes. Nope. That's the reality. So just keep all your paperwork. Keep the email. I I know that, uh, yeah, you guys were talking about it last week, and, yeah, nobody really knows. So, yeah. I'll take Aaron. So this is uh, from Aaron. He asked asked about the rimfire scope in the last episode. So he says, thank you guys for uh, thoroughly discussing and debating the question I posed. I appreciate the input, as you suggested. Uh, I'll be the guinea pig and let you know how it works out. 
Blessings, Aaron. I think he was talking about getting a, a scope brand that we hadn't heard heard about before. Yeah. So yeah, Chinese brand or something like that, if I recall. Yeah, it, it wasn't the cheapest. It wasn't like a hundred dollar scope, but I think it was a little bit more. So yeah, maybe it'll be good. Who knows? Uh, he can he can review it and let let us know. Yep. Yeah. Oh, All right. Man. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got the novel from the whale. <laughs> All right. From Spencer the whale. Hope you guys had a good holiday and congrats on Adriel getting a permanent slot on the show. After all, now, now he's rebuilding the website. He's not likely Matt or Trevor will learn, will learn to run it. Uh, now he's, now he's rebuilt the website. It's not likely Matt or Trevor will learn to run it. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You got to keep him. <laughs> yeah, he's got a job for life. Exactly right. It was like when Murkowski came on Action Shooting Radio. He all of a sudden, he, after the second week, he was teaching me how to edit and 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 stuff. So, uh, seriously, I was glad to hear his comments on the Ruger Precision Rifle. My 308 model just came in, and I can't wait to get out there with it and try it out. For everything I'm hearing, it should be a tack driver. From everything I'm hearing, it should be a tack, a tack driver. I just need to find a decent scope for it that won't cost an arm and a leg. To start with, I'm just going to use my Vortex Diamondback I had kicking around. Yeah, I love the Diamondback. I, ha I had one before. Great piece of glass. That should get me out to at least a couple of hundred yards. If you guys have any suggestions on good, affordable scopes for 308 that would work out to 500 yards, I'd love to hear them. Um, Cytron, Night Force, these are, you know, uh, Vortex, Viper, HST, check out the Viper line. Viper line is amazing value for the money. I also get to handle, I also got to handle one of the Ruger American pistols the other day. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Some folks have complained about the ergonomics on it, but it seemed fine when I shot my five free rounds through it. That's the promotion they're running. It didn't fit me as well as the FNS does, but it's better than a Glock, and the trigger is actually pretty nice if you don't mind a long reset. Oh, I wonder if they'll... Eh, when the SR9s came out, they had a long reset too, and after a couple of generations, the reset was really short. Like the SR9 trigger, I, the SR9 I had, had an amazing trigger. Um, I ended up ordering the 45 ACP version, 418 bucks. That's amazing. So you'll know more when it's here. He's got a thing for the uh, 45 Spencer does. I also got the Walther PPQ M2 for the holidays. Again, in 45, much as it pains me to say so, I have to agree with Trevor. The ergonomics aren't quite as good as the overhyped VP9, but the trigger is way, way better and accuracy is stunning. Everyone who shot it so far has been slightly amazed. Last but not least, thanks for the sympathy, but unless there's another shoe to drop, the big gun control push Mr. Obama was talking about is simply a restatement of existing laws. Well, that's good. That's kind of like what Trudeau did to us during the election. He was going to mm -hmm. do all these things that already existed. Yep. There's no real change to background text since that's spelled out in the current law pretty clearly. He did change some of the NFA rules, but that's almost a wash. Well, have to we'll have to submit fingerprint cards and pictures for everyone to trust now, which is a hassle, but not the end of the world. On the flip side, you no longer have to get approval from your local chief law enforcement officer, sheriff, chief, or police, etc., which was causing a lot of people grief. Now you simply have to send them a copy of your form, 
they don't have to say. In fact, the only thing he mentioned that's a real problem is the idea that a VA or Social Security bureaucrat can find someone incompetent to own a firearm without any kind of judicial review or appeal. That's not good. Even the predated, even this predated his speech, though, and that battle is already being fought in the courts. So overall, this seems like much ado about nothing. Hopefully, that will be the real. That will really be the case. Great shows as always, and two flukes up, Spencer <laughs> the whale. I'm not sure what a fluke is, That's but a, uh, like a fin or something. Fins. Those are the two fins. Oh, the flukes! Oh. Oh my God! I'm sorry, Spencer. I suck. Well, so what does it, the fluke translate to? Oh, geez. See, it's a <laughs> mammal appendage. It's probably just two thumbs, two flukes up. I failed biology. But they're pretty mm. big flukes. I mean, they're pretty big thumbs. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's okay. go with uh, two flukes, four th- <laughs> four thumbs per fluke. Does that make sense? Sure. All right. So eight more thumbs up. Excellent. <laughs> If you would like to send us an email or some flukes or some thumbs or some shark fin soup, you can do so by writing slamfireradio at gmail.com. Adriel, did you check for an iTunes review? I certainly did. Uh, and there was none. All right, then. Uh, I'm going to go to bed crying tonight, then. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Can't have it. See that? Listeners, you made Kelly cry. That's awful. Listen, who's going to be the first five-star review of 2016? It could be you. Get off your butt. Make it happen. You haven't Leave a, one huh? Huh? Sorry. You haven't gotten one yet? Not in 2016. Oh, yeah. So. Are you going to give it a prize? To the- <laughs> Never mind. Yes. It'll be a, it'll be a thumb. <laughs> we'll be bribing with yes. nothing. Okay. So we got shout outs. You got any shout outs there, Trevor? I got, I got, yeah, to Brian Bolivar. Too little, too late. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> awesome. Oh, he, he and, put up the good to, fight. To my dear friend Stacy, next time, don't ask so many questions. Just get me the number. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be in her bad books for a while. <laughs> for a while, yes. This will take much, much sucking up. Yeah. Adriel, what about you? Any uh, shout outs? Hmm, no. No shout outs for me today. No shout-outs to you or for you? No. Okay. So I have one shout-out. It's going out to the guys at Slamfire Radio. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? Yeah, you talking? I, I know. It was, it was fun. Anyways, that's like- it. Oh. <laughs> oh, I do have another one, though. Uh, I'm going to be doing a all-ladies uh, podcast on Sunday. So I'm going to be having a couple of people on that you guys are kind of familiar with. So um, it's going to be fun. And I'd like to say hey to those ladies. One of them is Stacy. The other one is Jewel. And Christina's coming on too. That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah, I'm going uh-huh. to tell her how much guns are too, you know. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't mess with my system. I got a good thing going. Don't, don't mess with it. Have you guys thought about doing a, a call-in for your, your ladies' shows? Um, yeah, uh, I thought about it. Um, and that's as far as hard to do with yeah. Skype, but well, yeah, it'd be I, interesting. I remember when Owen did his, so mm-hmm. I thought it was a really cool idea. Um, I'm just wondering how we can arrange it, though. Eh, maybe I'll contact Owen and see how he did uh, he did his with Hangouts, but yeah, I mean, you could if you got a list of people who were interested, maybe you could like dial them out sequentially. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, that's how we can do it too. So, hmm. yeah, okay. I bet you there's a lot of uh, ladies who are listening to your show or, or Sunfire or whatever, and and uh, they've got <laughs> they've got questions that uh, you can answer. Yeah, because we're gonna have a, a we're gonna have people that are have either very little experience um, asking questions, and we're gonna have people that have some a lot of experience as well. So, hmm. yeah, it'll cool. be good would, to, to share yeah. the wealth, the knowledge. Ish. I would suggest, like you know, figure it out how you're gonna have the call and actually happen mm-hmm. and uh, not this time, but maybe for your next female next show. So, yeah. Yeah. And then promote the heck out of it all over social media in all the um, female groups. Yeah. There's a lot of female hunting group really try in cause a lot of these, a lot of these folks haven't even heard a podcast, right? Yeah. I know. So, cause well, a lot of the gun think. groups too. I mean, there's a lot of husbands out there where their wives want to get into it, but maybe yeah. they're feeling, uh, uh, intimidated or, or, or whatever the case might be. So mm-hmm. maybe that the, your, your, uh, all ladies show could be that outlet where they get to ask their questions. Yeah. Great idea. That's exactly what we're, we're trying to do with it. So, cool. yeah. Okay. So that's everything I guess tonight, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So please, please join one of our national firearms associations, such as CCFR or the CSSA, and it's important to actually support these groups. Um, also, check us out on uh, GOC and give us a like on Facebook. We're at uh, 1,346 right now, and that was updated a couple of days ago. Or, no, it was updated today. It's only the 14th. And we have 77 thumbs up, but and also two flukes, so we have to add another couple, <laughs> couple of thumbs to those. Uh, and yeah, so thanks for listening tonight, you guys, and uh, have a good night. Good night, Kelly. <laughs> good night, guys. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over. Time to get a gun